0: Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Lloyd, Newcastle, Mini and BMW. For the latest offers and to browse their used car stock, go to LloydMotorGroup.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove, today joined by Lee Ryder, Mark Douglas and Chris Woff. And the good news is that Premier League football is is now back for Newcastle after 21 games With the look on all three of your faces say we
1: we've
0: had a long wait for this and obviously Newcastle play Huddersfield on Saturday and the big news I, th- I suppose to start with that is lance Slimani could be back and he could be featured on Saturday after appearing for uh, Algeria midweekly I mean what's your understanding do you think it was a good sign I mean obviously it was he got off the bench but will he be on the bench for Newcastle on Saturday do you think
2: I'd expect so I think from Newcastle's point of view, Slimani. I, th- I think they would have preferred if he didn't play any minutes internationally. I think they wanted to really be in control of the situation. And the minute he went on the pitch in that sort of friendly game, it was th- they lost control uh, altogether of, of the programme. I'm not sure whether it was fully agreed that he was, he was going to play or not. Uh, we'll find out more of that, I'm, I'm sure, at the press conference at the weekend. But, you know, putting all the controversies to one side I think just the fact he's got some minutes in his legs and he seems to have got back unscathed is, a, is probably a positive sign I just think that Rafa Benitez is so meticulous he would have preferred to you know, keep it all in control and make sure he was sticking to the programme they've now got that control back because he's back here unscathed
0: and I suppose having him on the bench is, would be one boost I think Chris you spoke to someone who said he was on the bench for, Al-Gira, for the entertainment of the players I mean just having him there on the bench as an option even if he doesn't get in get, in, get off the bench on Saturday will be a huge bonus
1: yeah and I think it lifts everyone else and I think we've already seen that from Dwight Gale's performances in recent weeks with Sporta Rafa out in Spain he was saying Hossel reacted well to it as well and I, I mean I'd be shocked if he started on Saturday I really don't expect that but even on the bench I think he's more likely to be we'll bring him on if the game is going right. because you've got to remember He's not been on time side the last week and a half and even before then he wasn't training with the main group so in terms of doing specifics for this game as Rafa Benitez wants Slimani hasn't been there doing that so I think he's more of a if Newcastle either if they need a goal need something different or if the game's going quite well they'll bring Slimani on later on but it's certainly a positive that he's finally got minutes 55 days I think it was after he signed
0: Fantastic and Mark. obviously big game on Saturday everyone's come through the international break largely unscathed These Matt Ritchie there's a bit of worry about him but he looks like it'll be all right for saturday i mean it's it's a good
3: it's a good place to start yeah i think it, it feels like newcastle've got a, a full squad there's no doubt that they've got bit the of momentum i know they've, they've possibly lost a bit of that because it's been such a long break but you know if newcastle play anywhere near the level that they they managed against southampton and really have managed for the last sort of seven or eight weeks mostly um, they should beat huddersfield who've been a bit of a bogey team for them over the course of the last three times they've played them, they've lost twice uh, and were outplayed really back in August but I think if Newcastle can kind of get anywhere close to those levels they'll win the game and, and, and what really for me is a positive is that Slomani, let's be honest has been a to- it's been a total farce of a transfer from start to finish they, they took so long to sign him that they really were left with nobody else it hasn't worked really in terms of the fitness issue that he had they knew they were taking a risk but what's really good is that it hasn't been the major issue that it might have been if the rest of the team hadn't stepped up. And that is a massive, uh, in my opinion, that that's a huge uh, endorsement of what Raf has been doing and what the players have been doing. Because we, we don't need to talk about Slimani and we don't need to be, you know, we don't need the recriminations of... Um, of of what might have happened if if they were losing the games and the, and the transfer in um, and the Slimani transfer hadn't worked, so I think that's re- that's a real positive is that you're not feeling like we need Slamani to get him on the pitch somehow because they are scoring goals and they're, they're playing pretty well. Dwight Gale I think is playing particularly well um actually. I know he's not scoring all the goals that he might have done, but I think he's playing really well. So why would you take him out of the team? Oh, exactly. I mean we're we'll going to Huddersfield in just a moment, but Lee, I mean do you
0: foresee any changes happening on Saturday? Or do you think you'll go with? Largely the team that beat Southampton a few weeks back?
2: I think it'd be a similar game plan to the Southampton one. There might be one or two tweaks around the pitch. Uh, I can't see him doing too much, I suppose. Miguel Marino's really pushing now for a start, but the, do you drop the army? I can't see that. Do you drop Shelby? I can't see him doing that. So, you know, maybe with Matt Ritchie, uh, you know, pulling out the Scotland squad, is he 100% fit? We know he's training again. But is he 100% fit? There might be some tweaks out wide. We'll have to wait and see. But I can't see too many massive changes. I think he'll be looking at a very similar game plan. Uh, they'll, they'll play cautious and they'll, they'll try and catch Huddersfield on the break. Yeah, definitely.
0: And Bernier sometimes likes to maybe rest those players who have gone away for international duty obviously, Slamani, Yedlin... Richie McAlmarino do you think we'll see that again or is it a case that Newcastle really do need the three points here so he's not really going to rest the likes of Yedlin who was obviously a first team member
1: well I think what's key this time is a large portion of the team you would expect to play who started against Southampton have been on Tyneside. side the likes of Kennedy you've got the two centre backs have been there together the midfield partnership of of Shelby and D'Arme have both been there so you expect them to be in the team Potentially I suppose Yedlin because he, he was away I think, yesterday morning they played So he's come back quite late Possibly you could see someone like Mancillo come in there A little bit of a change there Marino's been away so I wouldn't necessarily expect him to come and start But I think as late as I think it's likely to largely be the same sort of team But we know Rafa Benias has, has form for doing this after an international break If someone's been away to change things up a little bit, so potentially we might see a couple of changes, but I think the the core, of the majority of the team would likely start anyway. Have been there, and I can't see any way Dubravka doesn't play. Who's one of the ones that's been in national duty, so I don't think there'll be too many changes.
0: A lot of people on social media are quite obviously angry that Matt Ritchie's come back injured, pointless friendly. A lot of people said, was it in a way a benefit that Jamal LaSalle and Jandra Shelby didn't get picked for the England squad? Do you think, guys? I mean, what's your view on that?
2: I don't know how serious the, the Richie injury is. I don't think it's like a, a really bad one. It's it's probably just something where you taking a precaution. I think if you look at it, at this time of year, there's no way that like players can play the full three games in a week. So that would have been playing on Friday uh, against Costa Rica, travelling all the way to Budapest and back, another nine minutes there, and then on Saturday. That's quite a big demand for, for a professional at, at this stage of the season. So I think it was just a precaution. It's, it's a little thing that could have developed into something bigger, and I just think that it's not really anything to get too concerned
0: about. And on Lascelles and Shelby, are we? Are we? Should do you think they they have a right to be a bit angry not being in the squad, or is it Newcastle as the focus and thing and call ups will yeah. come eventually? I think what
3: was interesting was that when you saw how England played in the last two games, I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that Shelby or Lascelles would necessarily fit into that because the, the, it was a back three, wasn't it, for England? Lascelles hasn't played too many times in a back three. He wants seems to want his. Defenders to walk out with the ball to be, you know, quite comfortable on the ball as well. I don't think that's necessarily Lascelles' top asset. Um, Shelby, he's un- he's unlucky. I think he would maybe fit into that team in, in a way because they, they- they're going to need somebody to to spring the traps. They're going to need somebody who-, who can play that killer ball. And, and I think Shelby actually maybe a little bit un- more unlucky than than Lascelles. But I can see now, seeing the way the Southgate Southgate is picking his team, why those players weren't involved. Although, having said that, Tarkovsky, I don't think is necessarily the biggest ball-playing defender in, in the Premier League. You know, So, Lascelles could easily do that job. If he was going to get a place, it would be in for Tarkovsky. Um, is it good for Newcastle? I think Chris has said this before. I, I think it's it's good for Newcastle to have players in the international team and, and I think it would be good for those, those individuals as well. But in the short term, yeah, probably Chris probably had a point, really, that you can work with those players for for 10 days, 12 days, it's much better than potentially going away with England and not featuring at all, which could have happened because you felt like Southgate was was trying a few things which might have been 10 minutes, 20 minutes here for the But he clearly wants Sterling in there. He's got his midfield that he wants as well, Henderson. You know I think even if those two guys were involved in the squad, they're not going to get into that first 11 because Southgate's got very much away that he wants England to play, and I think he's used most of the players that he that he feels could play in that way. Um, and actually, I quite enjoyed watching England play this time. It was the first time for ages I've actually said they were quite. It was, you could see a plan. They, you know, they passed the ball quite well. I don't think they're going to do anything at the World Cup, but it was actually all right. You know, I mean, it's nothing like the Premier League. It's been interminable, hasn't it, for 21 days for no game. It's been awful, but um, England was all
2: right. Southgate's not a risk taker. He wouldn't. Do anything. He won't make a big call like putting Shelby in the squad. He, he'll be frightened in case it backfires. Lascelles is very outspoken. Would he put him in straight into the dressing room and, and upset the balance in there? I just I can't see him doing it. I do. To, to be fair, I find watching England really boring these days. You know, I, I really enjoyed the Italian ninety years and Euro ninety six when the streets used to clear and everyone used to be watching uh, in national football and getting really excited about it. But the that isn't there anymore for me it's not personally I don't know about you but for me that's not there you you kind of get too excited about the World Cup they're not going to go far so really from a Newcastle point of view as Chris has mentioned it's probably better that they they stay here and don't get injured and Newcastle's uh, survival hopes uh, remain intact
1: Chris didn't even watch it didn't I, I didn't. I, I very rarely watch it uh, in national football. It, you know, it is. I mean, I, I honestly don't think the vast majority of games, even beyond the friendlies, the vast majority of games, the, the levels not as high as Premier League games. And we've said this season, lower half of the Premier League, some of the games being quite turgid. I think the level of some of those games is higher than some in national football. This is a different debate entirely. But this is. I going to say when the World Cup comes about, you're watching. No, the World Cup. That's a compli- that's, that's different. That's that's one. That's a big event, or everything's coming together. There's a focus on it. I think a lot of it. So You're to watch football. the rest of it, then. It's like the FA Cup, fun, isn't it? You don't just
3: watch the final. You watch the, the lead, the, the first round games, second round games. But I don't want don't to invest When England win the World Cup in 2022, which is going to happen clearly. It's, a, it's, uh, a, it's like the Newcastle football. I was having
1: a game at St. James's Park last week. We had 30,000 people turn up, which is great, but they don't get 30,000 every week. It's a big event. It's something that brings people along. And I think the problem with it in national football is I think there's too much of it. I think you've got the same in a lot of different... I think there's too much national cricket. I think there's too much national rugby. And you, dilute, every, every, and you dilute what you
2: have. You can sell out every international every football is just completely in crisis. They've got this yeah. UEFA Nations League thing yeah. now. It's like that's the best they can come up with to yeah. try and you know get people excited and involved again. It's like that's so it's basically a league of friendlies, which we're already bored with the friendlies anyway. You know, they, it's this March, Yeah, in international break, they need to get rid of it completely. They've got yeah. two games in May.
1: You know, so. Exactly because it's come the business end of the season and the problem the reason that international football well, one of the reasons I believe it, it is starting to as well is it, a lot of these players regardless of what they say publicly and yes you want to play for your country is first and foremost they're playing for their clubs that's what it is nowadays that's what's become because they're the ones who pay the wages that's what your bread and butter is and I think the, the majority of them uh, to a certain extent because of the way international football has gone it has become secondary.
0: Very passionate, the only other time I've seen this passionate is when we talk about Alexander Mitrovic, which leads us point. on to our point just briefly, because we do go around in circles. Two goals this week, the first one was was, was
3: was rather good, I thought. Will it make a difference if he continues in this form? He's close to the 30 now, isn't he, Chris? The, the Rafa told you once, he's got 11 now, and he needs another 19.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that it's it, it's an, it's always been in everyone's interest for Mitrovic to go away and do well for both full and Serbia it, it serves Newcastle United well in terms of if Raf Benitez stays and Mitrovic is sold I think they can hopefully get more money from it if he decides to sell him which I think he will I don't think it's going to make a difference to Benitez's opinion and as Benitez has said before this is, this is championship football he said this to us a couple of weeks ago so it is slightly different but also if Mitrovic scores a lot of goals come back to Newcastle and, and for whatever reason Benitez isn't here this summer then if a new manager comes in, my fancy um, Mitrovic, and they've then got a player in form, so it's always been in everyone's interest. Rafa's wanted him to go away and score goals as well, even if he doesn't see a long term future for him on Tyneside. So, I think it's for everyone's benefit that he is doing well. I'm pleased to see him doing well.
0: Do we all just envisage sure that there's no way back from Benitez in, in Newcastle? Unless Benitez
2: goals, yeah, you know, which is what I think you alluding to, uh, basically that. Only, Miravich's only real chance to stay in Newcastle is Benitez was to move on uh, at the end of the season and mm-hmm. I, I can't, it's about statistics isn't it in Isaac Benitez and he was nowhere near it in training he wasn't producing this type of form when he was getting the, yeah he did score a couple at the start of the season I get that but it was what happened after that when he was suspending his attitude in training so nah the good thing is, is if you keep banging the goals in for Fulham, then they might be, um, they might want to pay uh, 15 million plus to sign them on a permanent basis, and then that can be put towards somebody else. Primarily windfall, burn the hole in their pocket potentially. Yeah, it exactly. Be a good sign for them
1: I mean,
3: you know, like I think we've talked about it so much, but the guy knows how to score goals. Whatever anybody thinks of him, whatever Rafa thinks of him, you can't get away from that fact that guy does score goals I mean, he, when he gets the chance he generally does score goals but around this table and probably Newcastle fans as well I have to ask themselves look if you really rate this manager and I think we all three do I certainly do then I'm prepared to say or you, it sounds so arrogant to say that but, I'm, but I you know you have to say look, I'll back rack a, Rafa's judgement on this Rafa's judgement is the one that you have to take even though you in the back of your mind you sort of think well how doesn't how wouldn't you want somebody who could score 11 goals in, in nine games? But actually, the team, the way they're playing at the moment, are winning games and picking up points in the Premier League. So actually, Rafa's judgment has come right. And you know, I mean, Chris did the piece with him about Modi Army. Generally speaking, in his time at Newcastle, his judgment has been right. And he, it's not necessarily a judgment on the individual; it's a judgment on what he thinks Newcastle need. So Rafa, so Mitrovic could go away and score top scorer of the World Cup. And it's not going to make any difference to Rafa's judgment because he's that kind of manager. The question might come when, if in the talks that Lee said that you know they're going to have to have at the end of the season where Ashley's going to sit down with Rafa, my slight concern might be if Ashley fires back at Rafa and says, Well, you've got a striker here who scored seven goals at international level, nine in championship use him don't go out and buy a new striker but I don't think that would happen but it has happened in the past where he's asked for a new goalkeeper for example and he's basically been told well you've got four already but you can see that Bravka comes in it changes everything so that's my slight concern with Mitrovic but in Rafa's mind he's never going to be convinced by Mitro. so and Mitrovic knows that as well I think you know there's that kind of understanding between them all and so he needs to leave and it's not going to make any difference whether he scores another seven goals
0: Just a final question on before we move on and uh, predict the Huddersfield game he kind of alluded to I think it was the Times talking um, that it was more he couldn't fit Mitrich into the team to play to his strengths now in the the summer he gets the budget and he can bring in the players midfield wise which which he thinks then can he can maybe build this team around Mitrich do you think that might change things or is it a case that it's over
3: for Mitrich full stop? No I don't think think he will build a team around a player that he doesn't he would have the, the chance to build it around him I think he would have. Made I, don't, it. I don't
2: think he would build a team around any individual because no, no. He, he's that—he's that much tapped into having a team ethic and the movement and the tactics and everyone sticking together. I kind of—I just—is in some ways Kevin Keegan was a little bit like that in terms of he didn't want it to be all about one person. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sold Andy Cole after 34 yeah. goals yeah. in, a, in a season. You know, he wouldn't have sold him. So, I think. Every manager wants a good team ethic, and um, it's that, that for that reason alone. I cannot see Rafa ever sitting down. And go how do we get the most out of Mitro and spend the money that we've got? This something I cannot see him it It's just not a Rafa
1: Benitez player where right You just the the you get this with other managers as well, where players and managers the fit just isn't there, and it just it just is not good. They could whatever could happen, and he's just. Rafa's made that judgment call he's got that good instinct on him and I just don't think it's ever going to
3: change I remember um, it's funny that, what Lee's point there I remember in the summer when um, when we were kind of running through I remember going into the con- con- morning conference that we have here and um, running through the players that Rafa you know we were kind of talking about Rafa hasn't got the players that he wanted and uh, the editor asked me "Well, who are the players that he wants and I ran through the list of you know the Abrahams Caballeros and all these players that he wanted and uh, they're going, "Oh, well, you know, they're not Premier League class, are they?" And I think maybe the, the point, the wider point that maybe we all learn from the summer was actually, it's we might they might not be like glamorous names that, that Rafa wants for Newcastle United because, as Lee said, there they've just got to fit fit into a way that he wants to play. Remember, this is a manager who won the Champions League with you know, Jimmy Trial playing the fullback. That's the kind of manager you, you can get more out of a group. And uh, you know, Mitrovic just doesn't doesn't fit into that.
2: And even if he does, how many how many goals is he going to get at the World Cup? How far will
3: Serbia go? Who they got in their group? They got. I think. Regardless of that, how far will they, yeah. Go? Are they going to get? Yeah. The semi-finals. There's always a black. There's always a dark horse, isn't there? There's always a sort of a team under the radar. But I just can't see it being they're there. Not they're being, not good they're,
2: enough. I don't think they'll get the semi-finals. No. So say they get the quarterfinals at, at the very best, and he gets four or five goals.
3: That that doesn't prove anything to me. Oleg Selenko got. 7 in the USA 94 They just scored 5 of them in 1 game wasn't it yeah. the, the, the international football is not really a good yardstick for who can score goals at Premier League level because because it's not very good
2: no it's just different <laughs> I value of a player who's top of the Champions League a lot higher than the World yeah, Cup
3: yeah. that's the point that's the reason when Newcastle bought Mitrovic because he scored goals at Champions League level that's what Graham Carr basically that's what convinced Graham Carr when there were a lot of reservations actually people forget this when Newcastle signed him they went back and forth over that deal a lot because there were a lot of question marks about his mentality. Um, you know, he put on a load of weight, didn't he, one, one summer because he went and ate pizza, his mum's pizzas or something, didn't he, in Serbia? And he put on about half a I think He put on a stone or something. And so there was all these these questions about Mitrovic, and um, yeah, I can remember getting woke
2: up at three a, three am in Portland to say that the deal had been complete and. The the embargo was now up, and we could now write the story. Even though we'd we'd known for six hours previously, but we got the call at three AM, Portland time. That was
3: that it was done. Yeah, this is the Newcastle United approach, where I think he was in the Hilton Mosley for two days, and people were taking pictures of him actually in the shirt, and then they only announced it two days later. It was like because I think to be fair to them, I think it was after all, wasn't it about he had to sign a contract? I don't know what it was, but yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: Moving on, then back to the Huddersfield game because what we're going to do today is look at the bottom sides now. They compare to Newcastle. Huddersfield obviously started really well. I think they've done a piece. How you know they had six more points at the start of the season. You know the manager got manager of the month. He's been getting plaudits from all over the place. Obviously, even Klopp's um, ex-assistant. They came up with Newcastle. They've got some decent players. There was they brought in maybe some of the players in Newcastle, possibly could have wanted in the summer, Aaron Moyer been one of them, he's a key player might be missing on Saturday, so that's one plus for Newcastle. But, I mean, overall, should Newcastle be beating Huddersfield? Well, yeah, they should, but the, the,
2: that's because of the expectation level, really. Huddersfield spent more money in the summer than Newcastle, so depends what way you're looking at it. Um, Rafa Benitez should have a tactical edge over someone like Wagner, but he takes so many chances and he he plays these this Dortmund high-press that he's got nothing to lose. He can come up here and play whatever whatever game plan he wants and it'll just be dismissed as Batland Huddersfield gave it a go, whereas Newcastle, if they went out all guns blazing and lost, then it'll be a crisis on Tyneside again. So... It's the expectation. It's double standards, really, but but really, the the question should be, do, do they need to be sort
3: of field? Yes, they do, because if they do, then they'll be within swinging distance of staying up. Mm. I think the, the, what's interesting is, and I think it was actually, I think I'm, I'm going to steal this point that Chris made. I thought was a really good point was that Newcastle have made really short work of teams that have come to St James's Park and they've played away from home that kind of haven't recognised what it requires to be in a relegation battle. So Stokes, West Ham's, these teams have turned up. They're kind of a rabble in, in a lot of ways. They don't, Southampton didn't really, you felt the players just felt they were better and they shouldn't really be in a relegation fight, which is what Newcastle were in 2015-16. When the teams have come to them who are really well organised, know they're in a relegation fight, battle for everything, it's been a bit harder. And that's been Brighton, Swansea, Brighton away obviously as well. Those are the teams that they, you know, are not as easy to play against for Newcastle. So, and Huddersfield fall into that category. So, the one thing that you would say about Newcastle this season is they haven't taken anyone for granted. They know they're in a battle against every team they play. They treat every team as if they, you know, they're like Man City. They put the, the work in. So, you wouldn't feel like Newcastle will take them for granted this weekend. But it's probably one of about four or five games this season where the expectation is totally on Newcastle to win. And they have not tended to win those games, so that's the one note of caution I put in there. But man for man, and in terms of form, I still think Newcastle are the better team and the better operation, and with home advantage like it has been in the last couple of games. The fans have been superb, really supportive. So I think Newcastle would be favourites in my mind, and I think they probably will win.
1: I think it's a completely different game to Southampton as well. As Mark said, that Southampton came and basically folded... Uh, the early goal made a huge difference. Don't get me wrong, and I think that that energised Newcastle and gave belief to the stadium. There wasn't the nervous tension that there could have been, and Southampton just looked as, as it turned out to be that, that basically the manager was gone. It was it was all falling apart. Huddersfield's completely different. They no how they've played against Newcastle. They're very well organised. They won't give up on anything. As cliche as it sounds, they he calls them as terriers. That they're going to hunt down everything and they're going to come to St James's Park and try and. And really have a go at Newcastle in terms of just not let anything go, but also counterattack when they can. So the onus is gonna be on Newcastle. It's gonna be difficult in that regard, but that's why the likes of Kennedy were brought in because he needs he's a difference maker in these sorts of games. He was against Southampton in a different atmosphere but in this situation where teams are sitting deep on them, you need to break them down. Someone like Kennedy, Shelby in the form that he's in Matt Ritchie hopefully if he's playing alright they need to find those gaps and they need to be patient and I think everyone at St James's Park needs to be patient because it could be a nervy game in that regard I don't think it's going to be the goal
3: as it yeah. was for certain They've done brilliantly this season Let, let's not let's not kind of take that away from them they, they shouldn't be in the Premier League last season they were they were nobody's tip really to get promoted I don't think Fagner's done such a tremendous job that they, they've just been you know, absolutely superb. Really, they've had a great two years. I think they'll stay up. I honestly do think they'll find the results. I know that they've got a tough run in after these few games. They haven't won the games. I think that they should have won. You know, they should have. They needed to get something out of Palace. They lose this weekend. They've got a tough run of games coming up. But I still think they'll have enough. I really do. I think they'll stay up. And, and what an achievement that would be to, to go up in the first place, then stay in the Premier League against teams that. Have much more pedigree, better players than they have. They, they've they've been a you know they've been a really good team and they've they've given it a real go this season. You couldn't take that away from them. Fair play to them. They've really I think been a good addition to the Premier League. So we're going to have a little
0: look at the rest of the teams' run ins, but Newcastle-wise, I mean, in a way, this is a game that they have to win because Newcastle's run in isn't exactly kind to them. Leicester, Arsenal, Everton, then you've got West Brom, Watford, and then obviously Chelsea. I mean. You, would you fancy Newcastle to go to to be Arsenal, ever You know, they're tough games. This
2: weekend, if, you, if Newcastle would pick a game to play this weekend, it'd be Huddersfield because I know what you're saying that they've, they've done okay this season, but in, in this year, the calendar year, they've only won two Premier League games. They haven't won in March. They've got some unbelievably tough fixtures to come. for I think got Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City got to play them three teams out over the last
0: seven games and I think it's Watford, and Edderton, they've got Brighton so, on the seventh. So.
2: so they've got they're going to have to win hmm. two or three of them they're, they're under more pressure than people think because in terms of staying up that is if they go down it, it won't be a big deal to the national press and the wider media they'll be like yeah they had a go but like what you were saying there but in terms of the challenge ahead of them they're under pressure because if they don't get anything this weekend they've got hard games to come and then it's how then it's then how do they deal with the real pressure it was alright at the start of the season when everyone was patting them on the back and they were like the, the prize sort of team in the Premier League and everyone was enjoying their enthusiasm but now the reality has kicked in I, I, I think that if there's one team that could
0: could splutter towards the end it could be this lot I was going to ask you so first of all results wise on, on Saturday score predictions Chris?
3: Uh. Two one Newcastle. I think three 0 Newcastle. It could be another one of those one ones but I'm gonna go for 2 0 Newcastle. But I, I could see it developing in the way that the Brighton and Swansea games do.
1: But in terms of this weekend, in terms of you look at all the other games, apart from West Ham who play Southampton, every other team plays every other team in the bottom six, bottom eight, play against I think Stoke at Man United away, someone else has got Arsenal. It's a real opportunity, this for Newcastle, if they can win, because you expect the majority of those to go their way. That four-point gap could be even healthier and some teams could be in real trouble. So it really could be a very important weekend. Rafa Benitez will come out tomorrow and say, you have to stay calm no matter what happens, and he's right. But this this could be a, game, a real season-changing weekend.
0: field safe, not so
3: safe, or down, what do you reckon? Not safe. Safe. It's not safe. No one is here. But I don't think they're down. I really I, I think they've, they've managed to, to pick up points when they needed them. But like Lee said, their running is is hard. It's probably as hard as Newcastle's.
1: Newcastle aren't saying a Footersfield can't be Well what them I meant
3: was do you say? Will they get relegated? Yes. Newcastle or Huddersfield. Yeah, no.
2: Like, no, you can't you can't rule out. There's one if there's, there's, there's all well, there's not always a team that gets sucked into it, but there's all there's sometimes can be teams that get sucked into it and looking at their fixture list could be them especially when you factor in Southampton have got a new manager um, West Ham they're a stranger on West Ham you don't know how they're
0: going to go so I, I don't know I, I think I wouldn't put my house on them staying up. Now just a quick message from our sponsors are you looking for a brand new or used mini or BMW then look no further than Lloyd Newcastle. They have an impressive range of all the latest Mini and BMW models, complete with the latest tech to keep you connected, entertained and safe on the roads. Such as the Mini Countryman, Mini's most spacious model, with optional all-four four-wheel drive technology or BMW X-Drive, an intelligent all-wheel drive system offering a new dimension to drive an enjoyment. With a whole range of optional features available, including head-up display, Mini connected, sat-nav, headed seats, parking sensors, stereo upgrades and more, you can really make your Mini or BMW your own. Or if you're looking for a used car to be proud of, they have over 600 approved used vehicles across the Lloyd Group available with competitive finance packages. For the latest offers and to see their used car stock, visit www.lloydmotorgroup.com. or why not just pop in? You can find them off back Road just up from St. James's Park. Lloyd Newcastle, the way it should be. We're up to Brighton, obviously they're thirty-four 34 points. Uh, they've got Huddersfield at April the 7th and Crystal Palace at April the 14th. So we'll say they're probably the key games for them, I mean, how do we see them? Do you think they're they're they do, do you think they're out of the relegation battle because they're the two points club, Newcastle? I mean, they're looking maybe one one game from. they run the- running is they're awful. Hard, got
3: a running. Run is awful. Apart from that, you've mentioned those two games, but the rest of the games are really really tough for them. So they're not out of it until they get to thirty eight. Is going to keep you up, so they've got to get four points from that. Um, the thing with Brighton is they've started to score a few goals and they're good at home. So that would be the positive, and they have got those thirty-four points. They, they got those two massive wins in a back-to-back. But they could, they could definitely get sucked back into it because the, the standard of the games they've got left.
0: Yeah, so they've got. I think it's uh, still their city, Leicester City, uh, Spurs, Burnley, and and Liverpool. So yeah, it's only
1: natural for us to look forward to these. To in terms of the last eight games, do for Newcastle. thing, oh, it's going to be hard games coming up. We do it for the teams. Most teams are going to have difficult run-ins, at least two, three, four teams are going to be difficult, but also at this stage of the season, say if Brighton end up playing Man City or Man City you have got a two-leg in the Champions League and they've already won the league, these things can really have an impact later on in the season. Spurs and Newcastle could play Spurs when they've got nothing left to play for, Chelsea come here on the last day of the season might have nothing left to play for. These things do really take on, so there will be some strange results down the line. A couple of the the big teams that you wouldn't expect to lose games will lose games. There'll be surprise results here and there. So it, it is going to be it is going to be touch and go for a lot of teams between now and end of the season.
3: There'll be some surprise results. 2015, 16, a great example you had. The fight to second penultimate weekend of the season, Newcastle had Villa, who were then buried at Villa Park. Sunderland had Chelsea, who were playing quite well at the time. You know, and, and we all thought that was going to go one way, and it, it went the other way.
0: Swansea, obviously the new manager effect. They were they were looking dead and buried before Carlos Caval came in. Up to 14th, they again have got a very tough run in. They're very
1: good at home though. They, they, they've, they've turned it around because they started the season poorly at home, but they've, they've, they've made it all place to go. They were
3: awful against Spurs. There. They absolutely folded against Spurs at home. <laughs> Two offside goals. They've got they've got Man United away this week, yeah. haven't they? So yeah, and then they've got still got Everton, City, and Chelsea also want well, to have Everton in the running because they're very up and down. I, I think Swansea. The one thing you would say is they've they've probably got enough. They've probably got enough points to give themselves a platform. They're going to just keep their noses out of it a little bit, but you know they, they've been overperforming the last few weeks. You know there might be a, a reckoning coming from them, but I think they'll be alright.
2: I don't, would you complain if Swansea went down? No, it's a long, it's a long <laughs> journey. It's a <laughs> yeah. long journey, and they're, they're really lovely people down at yeah, the yeah. Liberty Stadium, and they really look after you on away games. But I don't think there'd be a lot of teams that I wouldn't complain if they went down, because it's just such a long journey.
0: I suppose what they need is obviously you've spent a lot of money on IU back in bringing them back to Swansea. They need him to maybe start scoring some goals and paying back the price tag
1: yeah that's what I did understand at West Ham the why sell to your direct rival in Newcastle Benitez made it quite clear even though you had the legs of Brighton Mitov- in for Mitrovic we're not selling Mitrovic to someone who he could I don't think he could fit into our team but if he scores two goals and keeps Brighton up at our expense and I think West Ham shot himself in the foot there yeah I might not have been playing that well for them but he has galvanised the Swansea team somewhat going back there in a comfortable environment and I mean, the West Ham situation is just bizarre. I know we're going to get but on. That. We'll get on, yes, because yes, there's quite a lot of uh, that I, th- I, th- I, I, I think Swansea will just be about. They're, they're very good at home, so I think they'll just about to sneak over. Every team you, you can you can pick a lot of faults and think, well, they could be there. I just, that just me personally. I, I think Swansea will just about be all right.
0: On the Palace, another you know, that team which kind of are very up and down. I um, just hasn't done it a bad job. They've got some obviously very good players. We all know about Andres Townsend, Sahari's fit, Benteke, if you can the form. They've got they've got very good attacking players, but they've got again another team with a, a big run in, but they have got Brighton, Stoke, and West Brom. You would expect them to probably get six points <laughs> out of them them three games. I think they play West Brom on the last day of the season, so they're still battling for points, West Brom and we're not even gonna really mention West Brom because they are probably cut adrift, they are
3: down. But your views on Palace? I, I think Palace will be okay because like you said, the talent in the team is huge and Zahar is massive. Yeah, it's I mean, a at, huge difference. Look at against Newcastle, he was the best player on the pitch, wasn't he? He's, he's the top, injured the second <laughs> off. Yeah, was, sorry. Yeah, I mean, he's a top six, top eight player, Zahar. If you've got somebody like that, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you the points. They've got a good running, massive win for them against Huddersfield away from home, which I think restored their confidence. If they hadn't had such a bad start to the season, I think they'd already be safe it's an amazing job them. they've done as
2: well because yeah. how many points do they have at their and start on the seven games, they, yeah. you know that's it's incredible really that they've actually got themselves in this position
3: where you know we're looking at them thinking they're going to be okay so Hodgson's, Hodgson's done a superb job proper like old school job to go in there sort things out built from the back got, got everybody sort of on side again and you've got to give him massive credit you know we, we sort of talk about England being being, useless, being being an a awful and he got judged on that job but it's an impossible job that and then he comes to Palace and shows what a good manager he is
0: then said in an interview with the, the Daily Mirror that came, comes came back in and he, they were in a right mess and he started right from scratch more drills and training and getting everyone fitting together I mean
3: oh, just how bad must it have been do you think under, under Big Sam and obviously like, Alan Pardew before it was good under Sam um, because they, they had you know they'd spent money again in that I mean Big Sam always gets credit for all these things but he, he spent a lot of money I think to get the players that he wanted in a palace the problem was that they brought the Boer in and they didn't back him to bring the players in that he wanted they wanted a total refresh in what they were going to do and they gave the Boer the job they didn't seem convinced by the Boer because it took him a while to, um, to actually appoint him and it, it just didn't work out at all so I think the problem was that they, they had a manager who wanted to do things a certain way it's a bit like the Rafa situation isn't it You know, you, if you're going to back a manager you need to give him the tools to actually go and do it because we've seen at Newcastle with Pardew and the Graham Carr picks that suddenly if you're not allowed to have the players in who you think can do the job it's not going to work and uh, I think what tends to happen is as well when things start to go badly all these Stupid things start to fester and come out of the woodwork, you know, like little things, like players not being happy about X, Y, Z. They forget all of that when they're winning, um, which is which is a you know winning environment, isn't it? If you're in a winning environment, if you get a lot of the bad stuff, and that's what's happened at Palace. But there's a lot of big egos there, a lot of players on a lot of money, you know. That we say, and, you know, great for them to stay up, but they spent an awful lot of money in the last two years. Do we all see them staying up? Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
1: I think Zahar's huge for them, and now he's back. If hard Hall- had been out for the seasons so the failed at one point I think that probably would have gone because he is the, the difference for them that they, they just look completely different when he's the
0: place and it's interesting obviously you mentioned kind of there's how when things are going bad things come out of the roadwork obviously you could probably say for the likes of Brighton Swansea Newcastle Huddersfield and Palace that, There's a good attitude within mm. especially with we are all on the Newcastle comes. a brilliant attitude in there no one's stepping out of line and it seems to be the same for them teams but then you look at West Ham and I
3: mean that's it's, a, it's yeah. a bizarre situation You cut you cut the the, the teams in the, in the relegation mix between the ones who know that the ones who kind of expected to be in a relegation fight this season and sort of prepared themselves for it and mentally are in that battle and know that they need to fight for everything and the ones that kind of I think thought they were probably going to be out of it didn't think they'd be in this thick of a battle and you say West Ham Stoke Southampton and West Brom are the four that you would say have had recent success West Ham are just off the field are a mess I mean we're talking about Newcastle's off the field problems West Ham is ten times worse they're they're fighting their fans they've they've moved to a stadium that you know should have been a massive opportunity for them they've completely messed that up they've sent out their captain this week to do an open letter to basically beg fans to back them which is exactly what Colaccini had to do when Newcastle went down that season they are or nearly went down that season they ended up staying up West Ham are a total mess. David Moyes had a good impact at first, doing the basics that we talked about. Hodgson doing there, but it's not been sustained. They've got a good team, but it's not a balance. They've got good players, sorry, but not, it's not. There's no balance there. They can be got at at home. They look nervy. You know, I think they are in bang in trouble. West Ham. I think they will go down. I mean, they're running as Chelsea,
0: Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, Everton, Southampton, Stoke. So you could you, know, you could argue 7 stuck fair enough, but I mean the rest of that run in Italy, it's not it's not pretty of your West Ham fan.
2: No, it's not. And I think they're probably the when you talk about mentality just then. I think they're probably if there's one team that you would expect to have that stance thing, where too big to go down. It's them because of the, just because they believe that they are a big club. Um, I think there's too many players in that squad that believe that they should be in the Premier League and the mentality seems to be all wrong and the discord with the supporters as well is just, it's not it's not good at all and I mean them pictures when they were on Miami Beach I'm like, you're in the middle of a relegation zone and you're like throwing American football around like you're on holiday I just thought that sent out all the wrong messages and now to have the captain sending a letter out and asking for support I just think it's a bit rich
1: Well what typified it for me was not Noble's letter this week it was actually a couple of weeks ago before they played before the Burnley game Mark Noble did an interview and uh, he was asked oh, did you worry me he said oh no we're fine we're really good at home and it wasn't that he's com- he didn't say I'm confident that we can get out of this because we got home it was just this arrogance that we oh, we're we'll too good we'll be fine at home and at that point I just thought they have the same attitude that pro- you could probably argue the Newcastle squad of two years ago had there's several teams down the years who thought that they are too good for this. Now, I, I still think that they're coming to terms with the fact that they're in a relegation battle. Think, and it could be too late before they realise it.
0: Do you think they've tried to go out and buy too many so called stars? Or then, whereas you look at Newcastle, and they've got a very good sort of a foundation there of really hardworking players. Not that, of course, the players I'm about to mention are hardworking at West Ham, but. It seems like there's a lot more so-called stars in there rather than a, a, maybe a team.
1: It's just a scattergun approach as well. I mean, the amount of strikers they've signed over the last five years, I remember, I think it was when Sam Aldo was there that signed 15 and four windows or something. They just have a very... So it's, a, it's long-term which has become worse as well and I don't really understand what direction they're trying to go in. They, they keep getting linked with all these big players, they keep getting linked with players in Portugal and whatnot and never really make those actual transfers. The best player left in Dimitri Pai and I haven't replaced him since... And yeah, I think that, they've, that actually, the one player they've brought in whose mentality has been questioned in the past, who's actually done quite well for them, is Arnoutovic. And I think he's another player who can make a difference. I think he is a very good player. But again, do you want him in a relegation scrap? you will score your goal, but he's not really the sort of character you want in that situation. And the rest of the players in that team, I'm just
0: not sure about. What did we make of the link to Lassells over the, over the weekend? It's, it's laughable, isn't it? That? just think they can. Gonna hand-pick players that are
2: going to definitely sign for them next season if they get right. I mean how, Look, put that aside for a second how big are the six points that Newcastle took off West Ham this season that's, that's now proven to be well, for all Rafa's been questioned by pundits and journalists and whoever some of his own fans in, in some uh, respect but those six points against West Ham you know, that, that's put a massive gap between Newcastle and them now so you know, let's give Rafa that little bit of credit before for just you know, churning these points out as, as slowly as it's been. He's had to do it that way, you know. Take away that eight game run where Newcastle picked up one point. If they'd have picked up, you know, a couple of wins and that we wouldn't even be talking about being in a relegation battle, you yeah, So
1: and, and to talk about the way Newcastle play against certain teams, to pick up the as to West Ham. Both times Newcastle have played West Ham they've been shambolic but defensively in both games they just you could see and you could see Benitez had recognised that in the analysis they'd done beforehand and they had the wingers attacking out wide at to tore them apart um, and yeah that, that, is the, that is the difference when Newcastle play against these teams we may think Newcastle lack quality in the final third but they Benitez knows exactly how to target weaknesses on other sides teams who come are defensively solid it's,
3: it's a different matter entirely When you've really got to break them down And that's going to be the difference I think on Saturday The mentality of Newcastle By the way To get When Lee talks about that West Ham result The mentality that Newcastle showed I think To come back from those Eight games without a win We all forget how nervy And how anxious it felt You didn't know where the next point Was coming from You, you didn't feel You felt like Newcastle just cons- And they went one behind In that game as well And then they come back And win that match And just change the season but to do that is really difficult because you've seen from all these other clubs, they've all changed managers in an attempt to do that because they, they got so worried and anxious about where their seasons were going. And Newcastle managed to bring it from within without getting new players. I mean, you know, Savé scored in that game. And, and you've got to give so much credit to, I mean, Rafa first and foremost, but also those players to keep plugging away during that run, I think is one of, you know, it's it's a really positive thing to come out of this season that you know we, we forget now but yeah, they went to Arsenal, lost they hadn't won for was it 8 games or 9 games? 9 9, nine, nine games 8 defeats in 9 games that saps morals, morale spirit the fans stayed with it as well you know it, okay it's not a season that people are going to get the DVD on and re-watch and stuff, but there's been a load of positive things to come out of it and really impressive things to come out of it and I really hope that Newcastle do go on stay up with a bit to spare and the fans can actually enjoy the final few weeks and we can be talking about positive stuff because I think after this season everybody deserves that. They don't deserve to go down this season and I wouldn't have said that about 2015 twenty fifteen, uh, twenty eight, no 08-09. They don't deserve to go down.
1: Uh, I think when we look, if we look back if Newcastle do survive I think that we look back at that West Ham way game as huge because as I see it was that long and I remember mainly being down the week before Arsenal you're going back to London on December twenty third, you're coming up just before Christmas. You've got all the fans going down for that, knowing that Man City is coming up straight after, um, and it's going to be a long Christmas if they don't get something. And to get that wind, just gave them a little buffer going in that period. Especially now how the game started as well. The exactly, the and they the, like. the fought back, came back into it. There was a mistake from Savi, he scored, and getting the goal back quickly was, was so important. And I think that because that, that also started West Ham going on a poor run because they'd been in quite good form so it, it altered both the course of both team seasons so I think that was a very important moment in the season
0: Interesting you mentioned the attitude and the never giving up us on to Southampton obviously Pellegrino, Pellegrino's last game was against Newcastle and the press conference after the game he absolutely slowed his players uh, I thought it was close to tears at one point when he was talking about how he's obviously had his players given up and even during that long run when Newcastle didn't get the win he never so the players give given up. You never heard Benitez saying, you know, they weren't trying. He always came out and said, we're nearly there, we're nearly there, we're doing the right things and it'll come. I mean, how big of a part does that play in keeping the spirits up, you know, in a run, which is actually really bad.
2: Well, he's just a good man, manager. And I think I was telling this Chris the other day about how he just seems to know how to talk to every yeah. different individual. Uh, I wasn't surprised to read something in the Times the other day that said that Rafa's actually got it. Uh, a file of all the different journalists as well, like characteristics. So that's how much he analyses uh, everything. But he knows how to talk, deal with sort of maybe the louder players. He can bring them down a bit. The more reserved ones, he can bring them up a little bit. So he's just got that knack of just you. Whenever you speak to me, you walk away and you, you feel a little bit better about it. Life basically, and it uh, he's just a, a great man manager. And I think that. He's kept that coolness and calmness throughout the season and you can just see with with some players when the form has dipped, he's been able to ensure that they don't just slip away and and give up and you know, you look around football, we're just talking about Sunderland there in the office, how that looks like a team that are just completely, you know, dead on the knees basically, whereas at Newcastle they were in a situation where they were nosediving towards the Championship this season and, you know, Rafa... It's just to manage to, pick along with his staff as well, manage to keep picking people up, not letting people get too far down and, you know, just keeping people upbeat. And that's really important in a tough season like this one.
0: And Southampton were dreadful. I mean, Newcastle were very good, but Southampton were equally as dreadful. A lot of big-name players in that team. You know, you've got Ryan Bertrand, who's an inningman international. I mean... Do we see them going down the change of manager? Do we see it's going to be beneficial to them? What do you think, Chris?
1: I think Southampton will go. I know the Marquises coming, but I've thought I've thought for a few months that they've looked vulnerable. They struggle for goals. Um, so personally, I mean, there are so many. As I said, there's so many factors that, that can play between now and the, end of the season. But if, if, my three at the moment, I think West Brom are gone. I think Southampton will go and I think Stoke will go so I've got the, the, I think that's a current bottom three so, yeah, I yeah. think that, I think those three will go. I think West Ham are very vulnerable but they'll just, just survive I
0: mean Southampton's running West Ham Arsenal Chelsea Leicester you uh, it's a tough running they need to win Everton City that. where that's
2: a cracking game on, on Saturday West Ham Southampton that, you know when hopefully Newcastle will have got three points and then you go back and watch match of the day you'll enjoy sitting down watching that game because it's just Chance to watch two it's desperate it, teams could sit to the set in
0: this turmoil as well. Yeah. Yes, sit the London as well. So, I mean, it's, it is a massive game for Southampton. Got a chance there because of just how crazy things are with West yeah. Ham. I mean, Burnley weren't in that game. I think Sean Dyche had made that. West Ham were the better side until the players, the mm. fans decide to run under the pitch. Um, on the Stoke, obviously, Mark Hughes' X side. Again, they've got another, another tough run in the Arsenal, Spurs. And then they play West, West Ham. They've got Burnley, Liverpool. Um,
3: Mark Stuck, are they? Do you agree with Chris that they're one of the teams that are down a I think they'll. I think they'll go. I think. I do think they'll go because I don't think they. Can, I can't see where the points, the big wins, are coming from for them, and the reason for that is just because, I don't think they've got enough quality. I think from man one through to eleven, you either need to have the quality which some of those other teams have got in you know, palaces of this world, or you need to have the real mentality to to win, to dig yourself out of it, which the other teams, Newcastle, hopefully. But Brighton, and that's the reason we're giving Huddersfield and Brighton and Swansea a chance as well. And I think Stoke fall between those two schools. They've not got the quality of other teams, but they've also, mentality wise, they don't seem to have that ability to go away from home in particular and pick up points. They they lose too many, they lose too many games effectively. Um, I know they've improved a little bit under Lambert. I mean, they went to Leicester, didn't they? And, and that was a good point for them, and they they probably deserved that point as well for the way that they dug in. Um, but I think they're going to struggle. Three teams have got to go, and you know they haven't picked up enough points. That's the problem. The, the, the basis that they're in. you don't want. You want to be in Newcastle's position at the moment, and having the four points you, we saw in 2015-16, that Newcastle were always trying to get the points to get them back on, and that's a really difficult thing to be doing at this stage of the season. Yeah,
2: four, five, even six points—that it, is a mountain to claim at the, this stage of the season because you've got to win two. And you're relying on others to lose and when you're looking over your shoulder, it's not so bad. But when you're looking up and you've got that the expectancy and the pressure, then it becomes more and more difficult. And that that's where Newcastle you talk about teams who thought they were too good to go down. The two thousand and nine Newcastle team was a great example of that because they didn't actually fathom that they were in a relegation battle until about four, four, three or four games to go in the right in the middle of when Alan Shearer was there
3: and ultimately by the time they worked it out, it was it was too late. Just lost too many games that season, and you know, like they lost too many games. They they kind of they looked. At, it was almost like they looked at the fixture list and thought, well, okay, we won't be. I think it was was it Arsenal? Chelsea, was it Chelsea? Shearer's first game. Yeah, two 0 two 0 You thought we're not going to win that one. But they've got Middlesbrough, they've got Fulham, they've got Villa. Those are the three games they can win, and they didn't beat. They beat Middlesbrough. They, they couldn't beat Fulham. Then they, and it was like that You can oh, look, see that only won one game yeah. Against Middlesbrough You yeah. can see it in some of the other teams In this relegation battle They, they, they just look as if oh, Well we're not going to win that game But we can maybe go and win this game It's a dangerous, dangerous game to play And that's why West Brom have gone down Because they haven't won the games they needed to And I think they thought There was an arrogance that pervaded them When Pardew started to pick up points That we'll be alright now and then they lost the game and it totally just discombobulated everything There, they didn't know what they were doing Just to compare this
1: season to two years ago as well when Nick essentially by this season it, it was four, it was three out of four going to go this time Newcastle are 13th four points clear that is a huge four points because if you're, if you're 17th or 16th and four points clear there's not that many teams that, that they've got to leapfrog to get towards you but you were, there's so many teams then that need to, to get above you that four points becomes even bigger and we it's essentially five points to a lot of those teams because of the goal difference so I think that they are in a strong position, they'll win this weekend and they're one winner we are I think 37 will be enough to survive this season, I don't think the teams are good enough to get more than that so um, but for someone like Stoke I just don't I don't see where the points are coming from and there's a couple of games that Leicester game they played well but they should have won it and they didn't and since then I don't see where I, th- I think up.
2: Newcastle will pick up maybe one or two bonus wins out there other you know hopefully they win this weekend I think they'll beat West Brom so that'll be 38 and then I think I can see them getting points in other games I can see them being Arsenal as we say Arsenal are terrible at and, and away from him, so. Rafa will be rubbing his hands at the chance to, to beat Arsene Wenger and then there's games like Watford away where they can easily win well um, not easily win but you know feasibly win and Everton away Big Sam mm. you know there's a lot of teams that have that they've got the flip-flops on now they're looking towards the beach and I think Newcastle you will know, They'll be up for it. Who knows it could have a strong finish.
0: Just uh, on Stoke and on West Brom even, but I mean Athlai's been told to stay away from training at Stoke. I mean when you have to do that, I mean it was just one player, apparently you know Lambert thinks he's been a bad influence
3: on the rest of the squad. I mean that is not a good sign when you're going into the final games of the season. There's so all, all this kind of on the field, so all the off the field stuff, um like I said, you know, if you're winning games like we haven't talked about Mike Ashley well, we did on this podcast, obviously. But, but people it's not really the main topic of conversation because Rafa's done so well with the team. So, it, it you know, you go on a winning run and, and it really changes the way that things are. And that's why Rafa has kind of made a big thing of like trying to talk, not talk, not getting talking about, you know, too much about Mike Ashley and off the field stuff. And he's built a group that they all want to be here. They all, even the players that aren't playing, uh, you know, enjoy... Are enjoying it, you know, because they, they get chances. There's too many teams in that in that bottom half of the division where there's just things kicking off off the field. You know, players. I think if the, if the dressing rooms, you know, united and, and and is a good environment, then you're halfway there. You look at Spain when they all went out for that. Newcastle went to Spain and you know they all behaved themselves. They just went and had a meal. You know, they all wanted. They all wanted to work. They all wanted to play in that game. It felt like they were, you know, I don't know, like the, just the, the culture is so good at Newcastle.
2: Well, we were actually in the team hotel and we we're waiting to do interviews, and you, you watched the players going for dinner, and they were so quiet, weren't they? they were, and focused. And I've seen teams in the past where, you know, they're the show and the board, they've got music blasting out the phones or whatever, but did you seem this. Tranquility amongst the group and they went in for the dinner, and they all came out and they'd politely done the interviews, no fuss at all. when the rooms, then went out and played golf or were in the pool or whatever. And they just seemed to be such a, a good group. But he's put they've all bought into what Rafa wants. And there was no taxis either, so
0: that was- <laughs> 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 I mean, that's just an next fresh my from dead and buried gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've only won three games all season. They're going to need to win six of the last seven probably to survive. It's not going to happen.
3: Yeah, and I mean, you know, good riddance to Alan Pardew in a way. you know, No, no offence to West Brom fans, but I think that, you know, a few egos have been pricked there. And we had Alan Pardew on Sky Sports at the start of the season telling everybody how to do it. And he's, he's gone back in there and it's been proven that he's just not up to the job and I think it it finally ends the debate that Newcastle fans didn't know what they were talking about with with Pardew and you know, you didn't know what you were and that's the reason why you went down no, I think a lot of egos have been pricked there and and, you know, West Brom will be need to really kind of restructure in a a different way they need to go down the route that Newcastle went down and rediscover themselves and you know I mean that's
2: been... Seventh last year? Yeah. Seventh. So to go from
3: that yeah. to rock bottom is it's a it's a big drop, is Amazing, amazing and, and a, a just a great example of how not to do it. You know, they they have they've been taken over by Chinese um conglomerate who had a lot of money. They you know, they've totally lost their way. A real example of how, you know, a club can kind of turn really, really quickly. But their decision to go and get Parge was 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 just crazy, you know. It, it, I totally understand that Pool you know, had to go because of the way things were going, but Alan Pardew was it was Nikki Hammond, wasn't it? Their director of football went out and got him because he was a friend. That is a great example of why you don't you don't go you don't have people in who just go for people who who aren't gonna challenge things that are going on at a football club and that's what you've got. in all of those clubs that you talked about that have changed managers, those managers have gone in and are desperate for jobs. So they're not gonna go in and tackle the problems, they haven't got the legitimacy of a guy like Rafa. You know, you talk, you talk about Stoke there at right? Paul Lambert. The players will be sitting around going, oh, what was the last thing? Paul Lambert, are you joking? You, you, you know, you come from a championship club. That's what happened at Newcastle with McLaren. The players didn't respect McLaren because he, he's got no pedigree, you know? All of, those, all of those teams have gone out and the managerial changes they've made, apart from Carvalho, Carval, who's done a really good job. Um, and that's, but they're a group that aren't, don't have those same egos. You know, the players at West Brom haven't bought Alan Pardy from the moment he walked through the door. Um, and you know, I know we we always talk about how important Rafa is on this podcast, but you know, the Rafa legitimacy. You know, people talk about the aura that that guy's got. You know, nobody in that squad a has the, you know, would have the stones you know to, to conflict what he's saying. But they also just respect him. They like him. They respect him. And they want to be part of what he's doing at the UK.
2: Because there's no arrogance around, and that's that's the the key thing. You know, he's got he'd have every right to to say it with journalists. Well, I've I've played football, I've managed, I've been in Georgia Real Madrid, I've managed Ronaldo. He could go on like that, but he doesn't. He's got a respect for for everyone, as I say. Having a dossier every
3: journalist, I think. It's- I want to know what he's got. In it, <laughs> I don't think you do, Mark. When we when we <laughs> asked him, when we asked, I think I, he said that before. And he was like because he has all the danger men and stuff and we were like oh who's he got red flagged in there and he's like oh I love you all of you every red flags was thinking nah he's not he's worked out who he needs to talk to so a final question then the three to go down
2: Chris West Brom Stoke and Southampton I've gone for the easy three the current one Yeah, West Brom have, they've gone uh, Stoke I think will go and I'm going to be controversial kind of I'm going to say Huddersfield are going to get
0: sucked in way
3: uh, West Bromstoke and West Ham. Most time a
0: comfortable. finish for Newcastle or skin the teeth?
1: Uh, comfortable,
2: but not as comfortable as it should have been. Me? Really? I've, I've, I've just got this weird feeling that like they're going to have a relatively strongish finish. I think they might just finish on the cold tails of the top ten. Rafa's teams tend to finish seasons well. So. Well, that's it, isn't it? So, and there's winnable games there and they won't take the
3: off the gas so I think they've got, they've got a chance Slomani coming back into it potentially adds an extra dimension I think they'll stay up um, and I think that, I think it will become a bit more um, concertina towards the end I think you'll start to see the top you know hopefully the, the, the 15, 15th up will probably have it a bit easier towards the end of the season like Lee's piece today Sky could you know they're relying on the relegation zone being the kind of interest that be done at man. the end of the season. But it could it could be the top three could be done.
2: It'll be it'll be Sky's coverage. Will end up being about either Arsenal vegas last game if it does turn out it, to be that, mm-hmm. or Man City's Champions mm-hmm. Party. That, that's what it'll be. Yeah.
3: What was it a few years ago where it was the four the battle for fourth, but Arsenal just need to draw, wasn't it, or something? And you know, I feel sorry for them trying to sell that one, but yeah. Yeah, well, too often Newcastle have been involved on the final day, so we That's just don't want to... fans will be delighted. Yeah. it be
0: boring, so. <laughs> That's all right. Well, a nice positive podcast, and hopefully we'll come back next week in Newcastle of beating Huddersfield. If you head over to uk, you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle Night news, including live coverage of the game on Saturday. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast whether that be through iTunes, AudioBoom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at ChronicleNUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, ChronicleNUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. Why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?